Late Night Conversations Late Night Conversations Monday to Thursday 10pm till midnight Leading the late night conversations on SAFM 104 to 107 countrywide. My name is Patricia Anduli and we are speaking now social conversations. Remember, you can join in on every conversation that we have on the show by dialing 891 or you can send us an SMS on 41391. WhatsApp line is 0614-104-107 and we are available on social media platforms at SAFM Radio at Patricia N. Nduli. Our hashtag SAFMLNC. DSTV channel 815. Now, we are going to be talking uh, in line with what uh, we are celebrating this week or the awareness that we have this week of Child Protection Week. Yes, it is also Youth Month, so there are a lot of issues that we are going to be tackling in our social conversations around the youth and around the protection of young people. And to join us this evening as we are going to be talking, how do we protect children during this COVID-19, emotionally especially, we are speaking uh, to Nezi Swatiti. Nezi Swatiti is uh, the researcher at the Children's Institute of University of Cape Town. Thank you very much, Nezi, for joining me this evening. Hi, how are you? Excellent, thank you. How are you doing this evening? I'm very good, thank you. Neziswa, it seems that uh, since people are going back to work, a lot of employers uh, have opened up, but schools have not opened up. Childcare facilities have not opened up. Other parents are not going back to work because their companies have closed, they've been retrenched because of the pandemic. So stress is high, uh, anxieties are high, and young people are left in homes where there is desperate need for attention. How are kids being protected during this uh, lockdown period, during the time where school and caregivers have, you know, n- are not available? Well, this issue is a very serious one. Um, as we know that if the caregiver is affected, then the child is also affected. And as you correctly said, um, with the, the lockdown, um, we may have been able to reduce the chances of infection. Um, but there is a dire need now for caregiving, um, also for child, for children's health in terms of psychological health, um, adequate nutrition and protection from violence and star race. Um, now all of these things, when they are not in place, they affect, um, to children's anxiety. So, um, it is very important then that for us to be able to adequately assist children, we have to be able to assist moms or caregivers, whether this is now the mother or the father. So what has happened, which is a success, is that um, the the social grant um, has been increased. We did um, advocate for the social grant to be, for the child support grant to be increased for, for each child. Although this was done for one month, um, after this one month, um, it will only be for 500 rands per caregiver, which means that children will suffer and the inequality levels um, will heighten. So, and, and obviously that, uh, when, when, when um, the child care grant or even when caregivers don't even have access to a grant, that causes a lot of anxiety from the caregiver, whether it's a parent or a guardian or any other caregiver, family member. 
it causes a lot of anxiety and it also has got a lot of health risks. Um, what we do know, as was issued in the press release, is that um, um, the economic status of a child or of a family is directly attached to their, their health outcomes. When there is poverty in the home, there is malnutrition. And what that, what that causes is hunger. As I said, it's malnutrition. But it also causes children not to, 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 to develop. Um, it causes children to not achieve their full potential developmentally, psychologically, and mentally. So the effects are quite serious, and they are also lifelong. So now it is very important um, that K that 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 psychosocial support and mental health be invested in mothers and children. Mm. And mm. yes, no, go ahead, Mrs. And so now that we are finding that. Um, the schools are opening and then it's not opening again. That's stressful. Um, from a psychological perspective, that is quite stressful and it is unsettling. Um, the, the doubts and the, the concerns we just heard now from the previous speaker that um, things are not 100% in place and we can expect that parents and children will be affected. So we need to also take into consideration that children um, do get depression. Children are aware about what's going on. Mm. Children do hear us speak. They hear the news. They watch TV. They've been briefed at school about what's going on. It does affect them. And no, we do not give, yeah. Mrs. Swat, what, what I want to ask you right now, you're saying children do suffer from depression, and sometimes as adults, we feel like children are just, um, you know, <laughs> like little dolls, yeah? So they, they hear from us uh, when we say sit down, keep quiet, it's enough. Um, when we say stand up, be happy, it's enough. But we don't realize what some of the signs of toxic environments can be on yes. children and even the signs of stress and depression in children. So could we talk about some of these signs? Because children are so innocent. I mean, I'm a mother. And as a mother, at times, you, unless you've got a very close relationship with your children, you won't realize if this child is really carrying a, a sense of uh, depression because they can play one moment, but they are still crying inside. Yeah. The number one sign for um, anxiety or depression in children is is a sore um, stomach. When the child begins to say that my stomach is sore or or my stomach is runny, um, then you then um, that is usually a sign. But there's also um, this thing of silence. Children punish us with silence. They will just go. On, on on a silent argument against us. And we may not pick it up. Um, culturally speaking, um, we, 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 we are grooming children to only speak when we ask them to. And we groom children and, and we train children not to talk back. So we do not give children opportunities to speak and Children are aware of that, and they can and they can use this against us, or we can use it against them. So, so, so 
this thing of silencing children is problematic. Mm. What are the other signs, perhaps, uh, just before we go to a break? So it's the number one factor that every the number one thing that um, everybody must be in mind is that children are not homogeneous. Um, every child, like every adult, has got its own personality and and its own um, 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 character as well. So if you pick up that your child is not eating well, if your child has less of an appetite or more of an appetite. Um, so if you pick up that your child is um, sleeping more, um, if your child wakes up in the middle of the night and they are complaining of nightmares or bad dreams, sometimes if your child becomes too clingy, those are usually signs that something is wrong. Let's take a bit of a breather. We'll be back after this. SAFM leading the conversation. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. SAFM 104 to 107 uh, countrywide and uh, what we are talking about today on Late Night Conversations is a social issue, the fact that we need to protect our children. We are right now in uh, the heart of Child Protection Week and oh, children are just such a blessing and they need our protection. They need us to groom them well because they are the future. I know it's a saying that we take so lightly but it is real. They are the future and talking to us today about how we can protect children from toxic effects of stress during this COVID-19 period. We are talking to Nezi Swatiti, who is a researcher at the Children's Institute of the University of Cape Town. Nezi Swatiti was just talking to us before the break about some of the signs um, of depression and stress in children. For instance, a sore stomach, them complaining about it often, silent treatment from children, change in eating patterns, change in sleep patterns, or even sometimes nightmares. Nezi Swatiti, you know, it's very important for us to be able to protect our children. But with the the heightened levels of stress on parents, what support is there available? And especially if a parent has to choose between going to work or looking after their children. And mind you, the parent is working to be able to provide for the child, but without any caregivers available or any services available, then what are the options that the parent has? This again is a is a challenge as well because as you know that in South Africa we've got um, a, a high number of people who who work um, in the informal sector. This means that um, most um, children we we also know that um, there are very many households which are headed by single parents. So there is there sometimes no support for children. When schools were operational, children could go to ECD centers, um, they could go to aftercare, they could go to, to welfare or organizations in their communities. Um, now that there are so many restrictions, we are going to sit with, with a big issue, with a big challenge, because it means then that um, there might not be appropriate support um, for children when parents are are at work. So 
I mean, this is something that we really have to think about um, together. The DSD must must um, lead us on um, because we do need um, children to be safe. And right now, with parents um, going to work and they know being alternative forms of care, children will be vulnerable and some will actually be home alone. And that will like, give an opportunity for predators to attack them. You know, since uh, the lockdown, we have heard cases of uh, child abuse being heightened, and this is very sad. And it's not always the fact that the child uh, does not have a parent around, but sometimes it's because in the household that they're living in, or the society they're living in, there's predators, as you have mentioned. How do we then protect our children? I mean, we are still under lockdown. Yes, it's level three. It's a bit uh, easier than what it was in level five. But how do we protect these vulnerable little children from predators in our own households, in our communities as well? Um, the first thing, um, Patricia, as I mentioned to you, is that we silence children. If we do not know what is happening to children, then we will not be able to help them. It is true that sometimes um, people in the household are aware of this, but it, it might also be true that sometimes they are not aware of this. So, so giving children room to talk about this is one way. Number two, um, if, if, if somebody in the house knows that this is happening, they need to report this. If there is a neighbor that, that is aware that something like this is happening, they need to report this. We have to move away from individualistic beliefs that some things belong to, to of, of family affairs, um, that they should be met um, under the, 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 the mango tree. No, um, children are everybody's responsibility. And if we are going to um, take an African-centered perspective, your child is my child and my child is your child. So we have to collectively um, rise to protect children and get those people who are harming our children away from the children. Mm. So we need to find a way to actually um, start communicating better with our children. I think that's the most important thing because when you speak to a child and the child is aware um, of the open lines of communication, then it makes it easy for a child to tell you when they are insecure or they feel unsafe around a particular adult. And now the, the levels of abuse, um, it can't just be physical. And yes, there's also the emotional and the mental. And these are sometimes the, the difficult ones for us to pick up. Is communication um, the only thing yes. that we can employ to make sure that the emotional abuse is not done? Well, in South Africa, um, the highest form of child, of child abuse is sexual abuse, which is about 41% of the total abuses against children. And um, with sexual abuse, um, there is physical abuse and emotional abuse, verbal abuse, and, 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 and other forms of abuse. So a child does not um, generally, in South Africa, only experience one form of abuse. All of these abuses happen to them at the same time. It's called multiple trauma. So, so they are very much intertwined, and the and those um, symptoms which I which we spoke about already are indicators. It is also an, an indicator 
when a child says that they don't want to go somewhere or when a child is not comfortable to be around somebody, we, should, we shouldn't take those things like, um, lightly and say a child is misbehaving or disobedient or cheeky. We, we shouldn't do that. We should hear children and we should believe children, believe them first and then inquire later. And by that, I don't mean um, go and accuse anybody, but I'm saying contain that the child, make the child feel that they can tell you anything and, and, and then investigate. As we close off, uh, Neziswa, is there uh, a place where we can find help for children who have been experiencing uh, toxic environments during this lockdown? Yes. So um, there is Childline. Um, Childline is very um, responsive. Um, there is also jelly um, beans as well. So um, there is a list that I can um, WhatsApp to you after this interview that you can share with, with your listeners, but Childline is your best bet. Excellent. Please do uh, share that with us and we'll put it up on our website. Thank you very much, Nezi Swatiti. And it's time for us to move to the beautiful Zolega Kodashe in the newsroom.